0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It uh, wouldn't be a 10 game card if we didn't have a bunch of injury stuff to talk about, huh? Bah, humbug, I say. But also, it's the holiday season, so you shouldn't really say bah humbug. I feel like that's really not the it's not the feeling I want to put out there into the universe here on this December the 28th edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm trying to take a nice mellow approach right now, but I got to be honest with you guys. I'm pretty pissed off about the Devin Booker thing. The Devin Booker thing, for those that didn't see, is that by playing on Christmas, he aggravated his uh, adductor situation and now he has a groin strain and is going to miss a month. Come on, man. Just sit out another one or two ball games. I know your team was doing a little bit more poorly, but they're going to be fine. And this is why, team medical personnel, you got to be more forceful. Players are always going to try to play through stuff. And more often than not, it's going to result in a bad outcome. And that's what happened in Phoenix. That used to be, remember when the Suns, that was like the premier athletic training destination. And they've had all the claims to it for a while. But this is, in my estimation, a really big whiff. That's a a bad mistake to let him play when he wasn't fully right. And you can try to spin it however you want. Oh, he, 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 almost there. Like, nothing should have been... Yeah, well, you know what? He played four minutes, and now he's out for a month. So whatever you want to say, we all know what we saw. And now anybody with Devin Booker is looking at their card and going, well, I'm screwed. And the reason I'm particularly mad, I'm I'm not a big Devin Booker targeting guy in fantasy drafts. You guys know that. He wasn't really one of our main dudes for a second-round pick. Because I felt like last year was almost as good as it could possibly get for him. But it did trade for Booker in one league. It was Porzingis for Booker straight up. I thought this is relatively fair. I love KP. You guys know I have him almost every place. So many Porzingises on my fantasy teams this year. It was just such an unbelievable value in the fourth round. And he and Booker were like 18 and 19 in per game rank at that moment. And so... You're like, all right, well, it's a one for one. I had plenty of blocks in that league. I wanted a boost in scoring, boost in free throw percent, boost in assists. These were all things that I was looking at. I figured I could handle the drop off and rebounding and blocks. (sighs) I got one game at a Booker, and it was a four minute performance. I'm so disgusted by this. Ah, well. Uh, I'm Dan Vesperis. you guys know that already, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. That's the annoying news of the day. I guess there's a little bit of other stuff floating around in there. Uh, good little tidbit, Chris Paul, who got his leg tangled up and seemed to have a, a, a lower leg bruise in yesterday's ballgame, he's not on the Suns injury report for their back-to-back. So the expectation is that at least Chris Paul avoided imminent doom. Eesh. Uh Other good news. These are smaller ones than Devin Booker. But other good news. Kelly Olenek has been upgraded to available for the Utah Jazz. So Kelly ready to make his return after an ankle tweak that cost him, what, about two weeks or so, give or take? I am curious to see what that does to the Jazz rotations in the front court. We saw Walker Kessler was already on the rise, even before Olenek turned his ankle. But there has been, at least lately for Utah, there's been kind of like one guy out pretty much at all times. And this will be the first time that the Jazz are largely healthy in about the last three, three and a half weeks. I wouldn't say that I'm concerned about Kessler. Far from it. I actually think he's a pretty safe rest-of-season guy because... He only needs about 19 minutes to hit fantasy value, and then anything beyond that is just gravy. But I liked the gravy. I was started starting to get used to having a little bit of gravy on the Walker-Kessler meal, and now there is a possibility that he slides back to being just the, I don't know, what do you put gravy on? <laughs> Chicken fried steak? <laughs> Whatever you want to call Walker-Kessler without gravy there's a possibility that he does return to that but i don't think that he falls down to a drop mode and i got it well we'll get to this you know what screw it let's just dive in um i have plenty of things that i want to talk about on today's podcast and i'll get to them as we get to those ball games plus in a in a wild twist we had a very busy tuesday washington speak of christophe porcingis beat philadelphia 116 111 bradley beal injured again tweaked a hammy and that'll be a couple of ballgames, I would think. Players don't typically play through hamstring stuff. We shall see. He's listed as questionable for their ballgame tonight, but I, I'd be floored if he didn't take a game off. And we know that that's good stuff for Denny Avdia. So, possibility there. Avdia came back from an injury himself in this ballgame. He was limited to just 20 minutes. I presume that'll come up pretty quickly, uh, although on a back-to-back, maybe it's a little bit less... But if Beal misses, I would say more than one ballgame, Obviously, is the guy you'd drop in there. And he probably pushes Porzingis back up to the center spot. And Daniel Gafford perhaps returns to the bench, although we'll wait and see. Because Gafford got 19 minutes in this ballgame, which is something. Taj Gibson got 14, which is also something. He was actually decent. Taj was decent. So I don't want to clown on him too much in this one. But if there was a way we could somehow squeeze Gafford up to like 21 minutes, He would actually be fantasy startable. He had five fouls, so maybe he might have gotten near that point. Just keep an eye on Gafford. I don't think you have to do anything with it. DeAnthony Melton, uh, slower ballgame on the Philly side, but you're not worrying about it too much. I do want to talk about Melton because the Tyrese Maxey situation might be finally resolving. He's expected to make his return either Friday or perhaps the following ballgame. Yes, I know, Embiid and Harden had big games. Remember, we're going to talk about the stuff that needs talking about on this show. We're going to speed past the things that don't really impact what you're doing day-to-day with your fantasy team. And the fact that Harden and, and Embiid had big games was kind of inconsequential. Other than if you're like, oh, well, Joel moved up into the number two spot per game. Yeah, I guess that's something. And James Harden moved up to number nine. He actually jumped in front of Tyrese Halliburton. So Harden inside the top 10 now. But from an overall, what am I doing with my fantasy team standpoint, that information doesn't really register. It's not important for what we're trying to do on this show. We're trying to find areas to exploit value. And then situations like with Melton slash Maxi, where I think a lot of folks are looking at it and thinking, does this spell doom for Melton? And the answer is no. Because George Niang still got 28 minutes off the bench. Uh... Matisse Stiebel played five minutes in this ballgame, and this was one where they ran their starters into the ground. Melton's going to see plenty of bench run. He has consistently been one of their best players. Consistently. He has an incredible fantasy game, which is why we, not just at Sports Ethos, I'm in the only one, a lot of websites that have loved Anthony Melton. Uh, I think maybe we've been more vocal about it. But dude is number 48 in 9-cat, in only 10.5 shots per game. So even if that comes down a little bit, it really doesn't change the calculus for him all that much. And I'll tell you why. Because his percentages have both been kind of bad. So, yeah, maybe the scoring comes down, but if you remove some of the volume, it actually does balance out a little bit. Not all the way. Usage is value. We remember that. But... I don't expect the minutes to change all that much coming off the bench, if that's indeed where he ends up. And I like the idea, actually, of him settling into running a little bit more of the bench unit. So right now, he's typically playing behind Harden or Embiid or both. And off the bench, there are going to be stretches where maybe neither one of those guys is on the floor. Or if it's maybe one, you, just, you change the number of minutes that he's out there with both Harden and Embiid, and usage actually has a chance to go up. So, no, I'm not afraid. Yes, there will probably be a step down. You might see some folks panicking about it. That would be an opportunity, I believe, to buy on DeAnthony Melton after Maxi comes back. Felt like there was stuff we needed to talk about in that ballgame. Lakers and Magic. A little bit of stuff to talk about in this one. Not a ton. We uh, mentioned on yesterday's pod that Thomas Bryant would most likely bounce back after a weird game against the Mavs where the Lakers just started pushing buttons and uh, all of them were bad. This one, a little bit more traditional. Russell Westbrook running a lot of pick and roll with Thomas Bryant and just destroying a Magic defense that could not figure out what to do with it. I mean, that's like... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, so, we you know, we've seen some growth out of the Magic, but the Lakers found some stuff and Orlando just sort of didn't know what to do with it. As far as the Lakers go, this is why you just hold on to Thomas Bryant because he can be an efficiency behemoth, which is kind of what we saw here. I still like Austin Reeves. I know this wasn't a great ball game for him, but he was a plus 12. Uh, so he was part of the units that were generally doing the damage for the Lakers. They ended up putting a few extra points on the board during garbage time. Lakers are garbage time, like dominators winning on the or losing side, typically the losing side, but Kendrick Nunn comes in there for a minute and a half and has like a plus four plus five. It's at the end of every damn blowout for the Lakers. I still like Austin Reeves. He had five assists, a steal, a couple three-pointers. This was like, we're going to talk about Nick Batum in just a second, but he's like the guard version of Nick Batum, which is high efficiency for Reeves. He has more power in the free-throw department. He didn't get there in this ballgame, but he's a very good foul shooter. Whereas with Batum, you'll see a little bit more uh, rebounding and blocked shots. With Reeves, it's a little more steals and... Free throw percent, but overall they're they profile somewhat similarly as very useful roto type players. And I think we can now, and we've been talking about whether or not to downgrade Donnie Lonnie, Donnie Walker, Lonnie Walker to a uh, schedule stream play, and I think you can do that with him as well. Over on the Magic side, I'm expecting Wendell Carter Jr. might either get the back-to-back off or possibly just a diminished number of minutes, but regardless, you're in a spot now where Mo Wagner is running out of time. They're in Detroit this evening. We haven't heard about Wendell Carter taking the game off, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Um, We shall see. Uh, As of this moment, it looks like he might try to give it a go. I don't know. And if he does, I think I'd be pretty wary about starting Wagner. His minutes were down to 22 in this one, and they'll likely just keep falling as he and, and Wendell flip flop who's playing where. Markel Fultz, good ball game. Two steals, two blocks. That's the stuff that you want out of him. You need the steals. Blocks are gravy. You need assists, and you need field goal percent to not be a bad thing to to counterbalance the fact that he really doesn't hit three pointers his free throw number is meh and his turnovers are probably going to be kind of high cuz he's still a relatively young point guard even if he's been in the NBA for a while he hasn't he hasn't really had a like a season to get right so there's still learning curve stuff going on there but he's interesting and i think you got to hold on because basically of everybody on the Orlando side he had the least awful performance in this ball game everybody else kind of sucked Bull Bull actually had an okay ball game, but he missed three of his four free throws. If he makes three out of four, instead of missing three out of four, 12 and five with a block and a three pointer, it's actually a decent line. I'm very much pro hanging on to Bull Bull. I, I still feel like he's a top 80 90 range guy in 24 minutes per game. Um, and you might see him start to get dropped. I hope he gets dropped because I would add him immediately. There is some upside built in. I don't know that we necessarily see it, so I don't want to give you guys the wrong impression that like it's about to be a bull bull takeoff party. I don't think it is. I just think that he's still good enough in nine cot even after the drop off. Cole Anthony, inconsistent. That's been our fear talking about him on the show, and you know that I've generally avoided Cole especially with Jalen Suggs most likely kind of around the corner. Revenge games galore. Norman Powell's first game back in Toronto. I didn't realize that until after the uh, they talked about it yesterday. He had 22 points in 23 minutes. He's been an efficiency monster off the bench lately. Probably deserves at least a look. I can't imagine that he can do enough in 22 to 23 minutes every single ball game. To really get there. But we also know that Kawhi is going to be taking games off here and there. Uh, And Powell's 14, 21, 16, 22 points in the last four games in a row. You know, it's been... That's been good enough. There hasn't been a whole lot else going on for him. Here's the thing with, with Norm. Part of the reason that you need the minutes for him is that efficiency is actually where he makes most of his hay. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass. Steals are okay. He'll get you about a steal. Lately his turnovers have been weirdly high and his free throws have been weirdly low. I can't fully explain that. As he's going right now, he deserves a spot on head-to-head rosters. As he's going right now, I don't know that he fully deserves a spot on a Roto Games cap roster. He's teetering right on the brink, especially and I know he had a good ball game yesterday. He was efficient, he made his free throws, he had 3 steals, all of that stuff was delightful. Between, if you were like, who do you want, Dan, Norman Powell or, or Nick Batum, I actually lean Batum. And I know his game wasn't as good yesterday, but Batum does it with minimal usage. He's a high-efficiency three-point shooter now who rebounds, gets steals and blocks, and does it on a good field goal percent while basically never turning the ball over. He's like the premier late-round roto guy. Remember we were talking about like, Austin Reeves just a moment ago Nick Batum on the season now is up to 157, which seems insane because for like the first six weeks, he did nothing. Over the last month, Nick Batum has actually rocketed up the boards, which is weird to say because it doesn't feel like he's done a ton, but he's number 81 in 25 and a half minutes per ball game. And you're like, Dan, I don't understand. What does he do? Well, the low turnovers are helpful. That's true. But 48% from the field, while hitting two and a half to three three three-pointers a game, a steal, a block, five boards, that's all actually really useful. Now, if you have a team made up of a ton of low turnover guys, he becomes a little bit superfluous in a situation like that. But he rounds out a roster really nicely. When you have your high-usage dudes kicking the ball all over the place, Throw in a Batum, who's going to get you efficiency and a little bit of a bunch of stuff while not turning it over, and then just hope that other guys can kind of pick up the pieces on the points side of the equation because they ain't going to get you that. Meanwhile, if it's a that's three good ball games in a row. This one felt like one where maybe the Clippers could have gone a little bit smaller. They had both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the lineup, and zoo still got run. So he's back on one of his little Zubat's heaters. I think you use him until further notice. I do believe that at some point he is going to fall off a cliff again. When it does, just be ready for it. But right now, he's warm. Freddie Van Vliet exited the ballgame with back spasms on the Toronto side. Uh, I got some folks on Twitter that are asking me about Malachi Flynn. I'm not going to do it. I, I can't, in good conscience, recommend a point guard pickup who's not good at either of the two percentages. I need my guards to be good at free throws at the very least. And Malachi isn't that. And when he's not getting the usage, remember, a lot of folks, I think, picture Malachi Flynn from, you know, the end of last year when it was Malachi and, like, who the hell else was even upright? Scotty Barnes, I think, were the only two dudes left for Toronto. And so he was getting, like, 15 shots. You're not going to get that. If Freddie Van Vliet misses a ball game, which I think he probably will, back spasms tend to take, you know, three, four days to resolve themselves. I don't think there's an ad. Maybe we just get a better stretch out of Gary Trent. Oh, please, a better stretch out of Gary Trent. Atlanta lost at Indiana. Trey Young uh, got knocked in the left calf. I was a little worried when they were talking about the calf that it might have been a strain, but it's actually more of a bruise. So he's actually hoping to play through it. We'll see. He left early, but they were getting punked by the Pacers, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Bogdan Bogdanovich likely to sit out the back-to-back. Don't worry too much about that. Anyika Okongwu was in foul trouble. Don't worry too much about that. He's a stream when Capella's out. If Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich do happen to miss this next ballgame for Atlanta, that's probably enough meat on the bone for someone like A.J. Griffin, who I've been very reluctant to take the plunge on, but would probably get enough shots to be somewhat useful in fantasy for one game and one game only. It's a lot of work for one game of A.J. Griffin, I'm probably more inclined to just blink twice and then keep going. And I still really want more information on what the hell Aaron Neesmith is as a full-time starter for the Pacers, because it seems like he's won that job, but he fouled out in 19 minutes of this game yesterday. So we really, and a blowout, mind you. So, like, everybody's minutes were low, and then his were crazy low. We really have no idea what he is or can be. We know he and Andrew Nemhardt are both going to be kind of low-usage guys, and can either of them emerge with fantasy value? Right now, I'm leaning towards no, but at the same time, I want to keep a close eye on it just in case. Boston spanked the Rockets. At least Derek Gordon didn't play, so we got a better game out of K.J. Martin, and we'll just kind of keep watching that to see if it ever becomes a more permanent thing or even semi-permanent. Time Lord, 21 minutes, gave you a glimpse, gave us all a glimpse of why he was... Maybe my favorite fantasy player of all of last year. 11 points, 15 rebounds, a block, a perfect 4-for-4 shooting. Get ready for the good stuff. What I wanted to pause on here is Al Horford. Because a lot of people were like, oh no, is it panic time? No, it's not. Uh, The Celtics having more options at power forward does make the path a tiny bit harder. But they just gave Horford an extension, he and Time Lord played together for long stretches last year, and, you know, they just sort of happened to go to the finals. So I don't think the Celtics are going to dramatically remake how they build their, their system. But you may see more lineups where Grant Williams sees that those power forward minutes, and then Horford and Williams both chew out of the center bucket, where then maybe Horford sees a couple fewer minutes at the power forward spot. Do I think Big Al takes a little bit of a hit? I do. But he was also inside the top 50 playing center, where everybody was like, What's wrong with Horford? I'm like, What the hell are you talking about? He was like number 49. He's still number 60 on the year, and he's just really important for what they do. So don't panic. Blowouts are terrible for Big Al because he gets his stuff by just sort of being out there. He gets blocks, he gets steals, he gets boards, he gets assists. He'll hit a couple three-pointers. He doesn't turn it over. If the Celtics decimate a team in two and a half quarters and Big Al only needs 25 minutes, yeah, that's not going to be great for him. But please, enough with the Horford panic. And I do think I need to blame Roto World for this. I don't know if it's entirely their fault, but all of their, like, sad Horford blurbs all year. It adds up. It's why a lot of people are like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm like, you mean the guy averaging 10, 6, and 3 with two three-pointers on 50% shooting with half a steal and over a block a game? Nothing's wrong with him. What the hell did you think you were drafting? OKC dealt San Antonio a much-desired loss. I know. Jacoporto, 26 minutes on the back-to-back. I really like that. That's good news for Jakob. So the minutes continue to move in the right direction. Wasn't as big a ball game here, but honestly, I don't care. The fact that he's starting to play more minutes and look a little more like himself is all I really needed to see out of Pirtle. uh, And I feel a little bit less concerned about that. Devin Vassell hurt his leg, nebulous leg injury. I'm sure they just want to give him a little bit of time off, make sure they lose a couple more ball games. What does it mean? I don't know. Probably a whole lot of nothing. Maybe you get a few extra minutes of Josh Richardson and maybe I don't care. The more important footnote here is that Jeremy Sohan at 16-9-4 and four with a steal and two blocks. This is kind of what we were talking about on the Sohan front, which is we don't really know what his fantasy game is. Still don't. Is he a good fantasy player? Is he a bad fantasy player? I don't know. I really don't. Could he be interesting? Could he be more of a dynasty Keeper-type guy? Maybe. But I do think it's worth getting out in front of it, because the Spurs are resting guys left and right, and that's going to leave an opportunity for Jeremy to play a little bit. And now you're seeing more of what he looks like when he gets a little bit of extra usage. It's interesting, at the very least. Do I think it sticks? I don't know. 30% chance? 25% chance? Well, Keldon Johnson missed a ton of shots again. Honestly, I don't even know if you can if you can play him. I don't even know if you can stash him. I think you have to because, like, none of this makes any sense at all. And perhaps it's the move to small forward that's been a part of it. But, I mean, this has been a disaster. It's been like two months now of just total disaster. This first two and a half, three weeks of the season, it was wonderful. It's gone, distant memory. Who the hell had Mike Muscala with a big ball game? Not me. Alexei Pokashevsky got hurt uh, two minutes into the, the Thunderball game. Uh, so now he and Jeremiah Robinson Earl are out, which means maybe that's enough for Jalen Williams because it does slide him up to a bigger spot on the board. Not that, you know, he and Poku were sort of interchangeable power forward center, but now Jalen kind of becomes the center. You could say Mike Muscala playing center, I guess, but, you know, he's not a big-time rebounder. That might be enough to get Jalen Williams up and over the hurdle. And I know for the last two and a half, three weeks, I said I'm not touching the OKC roulette wheel, but the injury to Pokushevsky, you have to at least reassess a little bit. And Williams had a a better rebounding game, had a couple of blocks, and some of that might just be playing against the god-awful Spurs. So I don't read too much into it. And like, look, you're not going to go pick up Mike Muscala, right? Right? So why should we... If we're not going to read too much into the Muscala line, why should we read more into the Jalen Williams line? Well, you know, 31 minutes, which is where he's been at, doesn't change much. But an oper- but just more guys being out is good because I think I need to name this the Monty Morris effect, where you need like four guys out for there to be enough usage for a regular to actually make fantasy value. Because it's not about minutes changing all that much. It's just about what you're capable or even willing to do on the basketball court it's the monte morris effect we saw it in denver he pretty much needed everybody out besides nikola Jokic for him to finally go take some shots last year and it's the same thing with the wizards he basically needed beal out he needed anything avio was out as well beal and Porzingis being out at the same time i mean there's a chance that monte does almost enough But I still think, or Kuz and someone else out, Beal and Kuzma. They're just, the Monty Morris effect, which now is an official theorem, however you want to package that here on on Fantasy NBA Today, that states that a player that's already a full-time starter needs multiple high-usage guys to be out of the lineup for them to get enough usage to be functional. And I think that might be the situation with Jalen Williams right now. And it might be the case that he has a little window. All right, we took a bunch of days off, but I do want to remind you guys of our buddies over at Manscaped.com once again. Promo code over there is Ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Get a lawnmower Mower 3.0. Now with the 4.0, get the 3.0. It's the best damn cyber trimmer I have ever used in my life. You must, you must go get one and use it, I don't know, forever? I think forever is the right time. Ethos 20, 20% off and free shipping on your order. Also, shout out to our buddies over at ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall, special URL to get your 15 months for the price of 12. You get your one-year membership. It adds three months on for free. The best damn VPN on the planet. Protect yourself. And maybe the more important part, change your location. It's really useful for a lot of reasons on the internet these days. And thrivefantasy.com promo code is just ethos. We got an easy one over there. 100% deposit match bonus up to $250 over at thrivefantasy.com. Well, I already bitched and moaned about Phoenix plenty, but they did get this win on the road. Chris Paul, thank goodness, off the injury report. Phew. Still need him to start making some shots. Did not expect this game to be a blowout. Figured Phoenix would get to play their starters in the fourth quarter. They didn't, which is a shame, because that's typically Chris Paul's best quarter. Oh, well. So, Dwayne Washington went nuts. He actually played relatively well even before garbage time, but he also went nuts in garbage time. I was surprised to find out, shortly before the game started, I thought we'd get a Damian Lee fix in this one, and uh, instead he came off the bench behind Jock Landale. Not necessarily to play power forward, but Landale got the start, and was crazy efficient, four for five from the field, six of six at the free throw line. That's not going to happen again, so no, you're not adding Landale. The guy you want is Torrey Craig. We've already talked about that with plenty of dudes out. Shamit out, Booker now out for a month. There's so much runway. Cam Johnson still, we haven't heard anything about his return. Craig's an easy start. Easy start. 10.7 boards, couple of assists, a block, two three-pointers, efficient line. A lot to like about that. Uh, and then I think I'd like to figure out what it's going to take to buy on Mikael Bridges because he's better when he's surrounded by better players. Now, with Booker out for four weeks, maybe you delay the buy on Bridges because his slump could actually last until Booker gets back, but that's your opportunity to kind of get out in front of when everybody's like, oh, no, Booker's going to take away his touches, but that's not really how things work with Mikael. He needs defenders to sag off of him as a non-superstar, and right now, they don't have those guys. Chris Paul's the closest thing to it, and he's lost a quarter step, and he can't seem to shoot this year. He'll bring it. He'll come around, I'm sure. But uh, Bridges needs Cam Johnson and Devin Booker back in there, and they're just MIA. No, I'm not playing Damian Lee uh, unless we find out that he's starting the next ballgame, which I don't expect will be the case. You can throw out the Memphis box score because nothing really happened over there. No Jalen Brunson for New York, and R.J. Barrett got hurt two fingers, or two fingers, two minutes into this game. He hurt his finger was the injury, if you're wondering why I went that route. So Emmanuel quickly played 51 minutes. If he's not dead, it's a big win. Holy crap. Single overtime, not double overtime. 51 out of 53 minutes. Yikes. Yikes. Tom Thibodeau. Yikes. This game also was maybe the most insane game that I've ever seen in my life. The ending where Dallas came back from nine down with like 45 seconds left, including a Luca missed free throw, a rebound volleyball in the air, caught by Luca and then shot without landing to send the game into overtime. And then Dallas ended up winning Luca posting 60, 21 and 10. I mean, this was just nuts on every account, and then, of course, quickly playing 51 minutes, which is almost as insane as Luca's fantasy line. Uh, regardless, if R.J. Barrett and, and Jalen Brunson miss the next ball game, quickly is in line for a very big one. If it's just Barrett out, I think quickly comes off the bench. But there might still be enough usage for him in a situation like that. Miles McBride also picked up a ton of the R.J. Barrett minutes, but he didn't really do anything with them. So I think you can probably leave that part alone. And our buddy Quinton Grimes who continues to solidify himself as a 12 team option had a really big ball game. I know he's making some mistakes here and there but they love him and uh, he's trucking along right now top 90 over the last month and seemingly getting better so that's pretty sweet I feel like we were kind of out in front of that one and that was that's a good feeling I got a lot of Quinton Grimes's and I'm guessing you guys do as well. Over on the Dallas side, not a ton of changes there. Tim Hardaway was someone I benched against a better New York defense, and I feel glad about that. I think maybe he becomes a guy that you just play against bad defensive teams where they're going to leave him wide open, and maybe you bench him against teams that actually cover some people. Christian Wood, he was on his way to kind of a slow ball game and then popped off late end in overtime, added some blocks to the mix. I still think if you can sell for top 60, you do it. But his opportunity is improving. There's no question about that. With the Dorian Finney-Smith absence, that's been a really nice boon for Wood. He's playing alongside Dwight Powell now, who somehow played 31 minutes at center and did not get a rebound. How the crap do you do that? Doesn't matter, I guess. Golden State beat Charlotte 110-105. Uh... The Hornets looked like the Hornets. Terry Rozier couldn't shoot. Lamella Ball couldn't shoot. P.J. Washington went back to not being able to shoot. Gordon Hayward shot a tiny bit better than the other guys. I still just don't think he really has it this year. Best game was Mason Plumlee, who somehow had four blocks. I didn't watch this one live, so I'll admit to you guys, I don't know where the four blocks came from, but it might be his last block for two weeks because he doesn't really block shots. Nothing about this game changed the way I feel about any of the Charlotte Hornets or the Golden State Warriors, despite the fact that Dante DiVincenzo went full Draymond Green for a game. No points, nine boards, seven assists, and a steal. I still think he's a useful fill-in until Wiggins or Steph comes back. And with Klay Thompson likely to rest on the back-to-back, that just makes life even easier for DiVincenzo. And we got to look at Sacramento without Damanis Sabonis, who has an avulsion fracture in his non-shooting hand. But it sounds like as soon as the swelling goes down, he's going to try to play through it. Crazy, but I guess that's good news on the Sabonis front because it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. You got a kind of a deep league option here in Trey Lyles. I would not play him in a 12-teamer. No. 24 minutes of Trey Lyles is not nearly enough time for Trey Lyles. But I did start him in 30 deep, so I feel good about that. Uh, Without Sabonis out there, the real change is that other guys are going to have to rebound a little bit. So Barnes had eight of them. Holmes came in for 23 minutes at 8-7. and Not enough time for him. Lyles had 10 rebounds. Keegan Murray still only had two. Please go get a rebound, Keegan. I can't really advocate an ad on you until you go get a board. Whatever. And then, and you can't say we didn't see this one coming, the drop-off for De'Aaron Fox has continued because... De'Aaron Fox was never going to be a top 10 player. He's now number 55. He's fallen past 40. This is the worry. And over the last month, he's number 162. Almost a punt free throw guy. Field goal percent has now become a negative. Steals and blocks have gone away. Uh, only 1.33 pointers. Really, all he's got left is 21 points and almost five assists. Everything else is basically a negative in nine cat. Can't say we didn't warn you. Points leaguers, enjoy. That's fine. Over on the Denver side, Aaron Gordon missed this ball game, and it seemed like that might create an avenue for Bruce Brown to be more useful, but he left with an ankle tweak. So, whatever. Uh, Is the heater for Contavious Caldwell Pope wearing off? I don't know. It's possible he's been a start over the last two weeks since he got warm again. As soon as he goes ice cold, you're going to want to bench him. I think you could probably play him a little bit longer. It's also the case that in this particular ball game, Nikola Jokic was feeding Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. MPJ in particular was lava hot. Uh, he and Jamal Murray may or may not play in Denver's back-to-back, at which point Denver's kind of weird in that regard. Like When the key guys go down, the other starters don't necessarily get a huge bump. Aaron Gordon does when he's in there but it's more like it's more the guys like Bruce Brown if he plays he gets a bump bones highland gets a bump but it's not that much fun you're kind of you kind of like shooting in the dark if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr sit out the back to back Bruce Brown if he plays I would probably play him I don't think I can bring myself to play Bones these days he's annoying and then I think I'd rather play KCP when the team is healthy because that's when he gets wide open It's a similar thing to the Mikhail Bridges stuff. Like He's just not somebody that's going to operate on his own. He needs to be the guy who's able to slash or stand beyond the three-point line when two or three other dudes are drawing the whole defensive attention. And Jokic, most of it, yeah, but it's pretty different when Jokic and Jamal are running a pick-and-roll, and the whole defense has to watch two guys, and so... MPJ gets wide open, and KCP gets wide open, and Aaron Gordon gets wide open. Although in Gordon's defense, he's actually been able to do it on his own, even when some of those guys are out. All right, let's take the operation over to social from here. I hope everybody's kind of gotten situated. That was a nice, easy, relaxing journey through the podcast. Uh, No additional injury news between the time we started the show and the time we ended it. And if you've got Devin Booker, sorry. That's annoying and uh, totally stupid. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. You know it, man. Iron Man streak lives on. Goodbye.